0: What's up, H Town? Welcome
1: to the Believe in Astros podcast. Your home for all things Astros with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now here's Balky and Blobber. What is up, H Town? Welcome to episode 33 or Double Tray of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balky and my partner, that turkey frying legend, Jeff Blum. Uh, (laughs) You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and of course, YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe and keep up with us. Uh, And give us a follow on Twitter before it's completely overrun with Nazis. At Believe in Astros, uh, you can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27. Send us your comments, questions, Cyber Monday deals, worst holiday family stories. These are all on the table right now. Um, also, uh, congrats to the U of H men's basketball program, who is going to be number one in the country yes. today after a Whose very house? after Coog's house after a very <laughs> very disturbingly awful game against Kent State. I <laughs> mean, crazy how that works. <laughs> neither team scored fifty. I mean, I think I score fifty sometimes in pickup games. So it's like fifty. Yeah. That's, that was hey, pretty ridiculous. Of course, we don't there play There is defense. no
0: such thing as win and ugly. There <laughs> are wins. Wins are wins.
1: That is exactly <laughs> right. Um, so let's get started today by just a quick recap. Blummer, how was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was fantastic. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, I, I look a little exhausted because I am. I, I am tired. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, when we go into Thanksgiving, it's not one of those things you do half-heartedly. You've got to go in full throttle. And we had family in town and... That went well on Thursday, and then we immediately turned around on Saturday and had a, a basically a double Friendsgiving. Our triplets had twelve of their friends over, and then simultaneously, my oldest daughter, who's back from Arkansas for the week, it, for the week had her friends over. So we had maybe uh, about thirty-five people in the house for 35. a second Friendsgiving slash Thanksgiving. That God. nobody left until one a, one a.m. And I'm I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. How about you? Was this
1: was was this a, a bunch of like college aged women and high school aged women that were in your?
0: It, it was a mix. Yeah, it was a bunch yeah. of seniors and f- seniors in high school and freshmen in college. Wow. Yes, so it was. It was a strong mix. It was loud. It was adventurous, and uh, there was a ton of food uh, being crushed that evening on Saturday. But yeah, a lot Did of fun. Did you have to kick people out at one a.m. or were they happy to leave? Like, you know what we we've established they've or at least our our daughters have established a really good friend mm-hmm. group, and yeah, we know good. them rather well. So it was you know we got to catch up with a lot of these kids who went away for uh, their freshman years in college. Yeah. And then kind of hang out with the seniors that are outgoing, and uh, you know, so it was. It was some there. are Man, there are some that you kick out. There's some that you don't mind if they hang out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that we had ours. We had 22 in the house uh, nice. on Thanksgiving. Um, we had a massive amount of food, just a tr- mm-hmm. huge, over overwhelming amount of food. Um, mostly family, a bunch of friends too, and then <clears throat> after that, we had a little. Post gaming at some uh, friends of ours who live just like a mile from us, um, Good. who uh, just they did a remodel in their downstairs and their main focus was remodeling their bar. So it was a. <laughs> nice. If you've got a bar in your house, you're doing something right. Oh man! They, well, we have weirdly, we have two. We have one in our house that was that was so had this, our house is built in like 70. Dude, so it's got nice the classic yeah. <laughs> right. They've got the it's got the classic old like formica top with the mirrored background <laughs> and like it's amazing. I would never change it. But then the previous owners built a tiki bar in the backyard by our pool. Oh nice. So there you go. so yeah, so it's I uh, and la- during the pandemic, my project was to rewire it for sound and And everything. So it's like, uh, yeah, so we had a really good time Thanksgiving. And then there was a lot of people in from out of town visiting. Mm -hmm. So uh, we spent some time uh, hanging out with them over the weekend. So yeah, long weekend like you. Sunday was like recovery day. My wife and I both fell asleep on the sofa during the Texans game, although we just certainly didn't miss anything. Um, you sound like the Texans' offense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fell asleep. I will say that on the, on Thanksgiving, weirdly, the song of the day for us was stroken by Clarence Carter, which is a very uh, – Clarence Carter's been around forever, right? He was part of the mm-hmm. whole Muscle Shoals thing in, in, in the 60s where Wilson Pickett and Otis Redding and all those emerged from – but uh, in the 80s, he did this song called Stroken. And for some reason, my brother-in-law and my wife um, just were, wanted to hear it. And I was shocked at how quite quite vulgar that song. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, this is Thanksgiving? I mean, it was it's Stroken it, to the East, Stroken to the West. And yeah, you can discern the rest of the song or look up the lyrics online,
0: should you so choose. But um, isn't... I'm glad I mean you're way more sophisticated and educated in the music department but <laughs> that being said isn't it great the the ability to have the 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 ability to have the creativity in your vernacular to be able to sing a song like that and have everybody go is that what he meant is that what they <laughs> meant you know yes. that was the beauty of the 60s 70s and 80s is that there was that little innuendo they weren't direct oh, yeah. in what they said as opposed to now where everything's just you know full frontal but that you got to appreciate that. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. And the thing is, Clarence Carter, um, he actually had kind of moderate hits in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, weirdly. Um, he had Patches, which was a song back, it was really kind of a terrible song. It was about a kid <laughs> whose father died and he had to take over everything when he was 13. He, was like, he goes, My daddy died that day. He's like, So, you know, he's talking through it. And then in the 70s, he said, He had Slip Away, which is actually a great R and B song, so Carter he's one of those guys. I have a, a really strong fondness for the under the radar soul and R and B guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, those are kind of some of my favorites from the '60s and '70s. The guys that a lot of people, eh, a lot of people just don't really know about unless you grew up black and listened to that stuff, you know? And so I have a real appreciation for some of those. And Clarence Carter is certainly among them. And that song, Stroken, though, I had not heard that in a long time. (laughs) And I'm like, this song was probably a pretty popular radio song back in the
0: 80s, although I don't recall it, but... mm -hmm. I, that oh, one, I, I just love that Jeff Balky's the guy. at think, the, I'm going to bring this back during Thanksgiving <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, look, we listened to it about three or four times, and then we just put on – we had uh, the the Alexa
1: play just uh, play songs by Clarence Carter. So we did mm-hmm. a real deep dive into you Clarence you Carter into while we were making uh, dressing and, and the like. Um, we did have a lot of food, and like you, I'm kind of worn out. And, of course, I – I'm drinking my bottled water today since there is a boil water ban in the city of Houston. Oh, yeah. So it's just post Thanksgiving. That's the wrong time to have a a water ban. I need to I need to wash things. You know what I'm saying? You need to wash and you need to hydrate. So yeah, I'm yeah exactly. With that's bad exactly. I'm hydrating a lot. So first things up. Let's let's talk a little bit about a rumor that I read. That I really want to get your take on this. I know oh, you're man. shaking your head because you already know it's coming. So Cody Bellinger. Who, first of all, he was he was incredible just a few years ago. Completely fallen off a cliff over the last two seasons. He, but he for for Astros fans, he's most famous mm-hmm. for really, really being one of the most outspoken anti-Astro people out there, <laughs> and saying, I mean, and that's putting it mildly, you yeah. know, t- calling him cheaters and. And, uh, you know, criticizing even Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros. Yeah. But there is a rumor out there (laughs) that the Astros might be targeting Cody Bellinger free agency since he was non-tendered by the Dodgers. I just cannot imagine that guy playing for the Astros. I can't imagine him saying that Altuve stole the MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017, and that guy's playing. (laughs) I mean, what do you think about this? This has got to be just some stupid rumor started by his agent, right?
0: Oh, dear God. I hope it. I hope it's just a, the, <laughs> one of the better troll jobs out there that, you know, who, that they're just trolling us as fans and testing our limitations. Because the first thing I thought about was, you know, in thinking about the Astros, everything that we talk about the Astros, they make mm-hmm. trades, they've signed free agents. How great is this clubhouse? They don't treat it. Everybody's equal. You know, it's uh, – a Chaz McCormick as a rookie. It's a Jeremy Pena as a rookie being worked in with Jose Altuve and some of these veterans. And they kind of show them the way and they, they all work together in the right direction. And I thought about chemistry. You know, you can't, you know, in the industry, quote unquote, baseball, the word chemistry is, is, is also known as noise. And analytic guys block the noise, look at the numbers and get the numbers in. So there's two negatives right there for Cody Bellinger for me. <laughs> One is the clubhouse culture. I can't imagine as welcoming as this clubhouse is that they welcome this guy in after everything that you just said about him making those quotes and being adamant about the Astros during the sign stealing era. The second one is the analytics. I've never seen a guy regress as quickly as Cody yes. Bellinger, and for various reasons. So, with those two negatives for me, I'm kind of out on him. But I, my question is: Are I don't even know if you're able to answer this, but this is the question I would have for whoever floated this this uh, rumor out there. <coughs> Where is his value? What is the value of a Cody Bellinger in this market right now? You got to wonder,
1: especially since he's also not a high contact. Guy. I mean, the guy strikes out a lot. He, oh my gosh, you know, dude! He's He's like, you just not, it's the absolute opposite of yes. what you would consider somebody to play for the Astros. But even more so, yeah, what is his value um, in this marketplace? I mean, this is a guy that washed out after, well, he was an MVP, right? Isn't that, am I? He was an
0: MVP, two time All Star. He's won a gold glove, NLCS MVP. I mean, what? Silver Slugger Award, Rookie yeah. of the Year. This what guy's got to all this guy? the accolades. What happened to this guy? Do we really want to answer that question? I mean, there, there's the obvious one that I feel that nobody's ever talking about is in what, 2000. Let me look at his numbers real quick because this guy's a yeah. career 248 hitter now. In his first season as a rookie, when he won rookie of the year, 267, hit 39 home runs, 97 RBIs. His second season, Obviously, a little bit of drop-off drop, drop off in the sophomore slump. 260 with 25 and 76, which is serviceable. That guy provides value. And then you've got his MVP year in 2019, where he hit 305, 47 home runs, and 115 RBIs. And then crazy, crazy thing happened. COVID. And the letter comes out against the Astros. He ends up hitting 239. He has 12 home runs. shortened season. We know that. He played, what? third uh 56 games that season. So you discount the covid season. And then you wake up in a full season of 2021, 165 batting average and 360 wow. 350 plate appearances. Last season got 550 and hit 210. Now, the obvious thing, we'll discount covid, so 2020 is a wash, and the Dodgers end up winning the World Series. So you kind of you kind of ignore all of that. Twenty one, twenty two. 21 22 way below subpar yeah and there's a lot more scrutiny around the league and how about this sign stealing is taken away supposedly we think quote unquote Mm -hmm. and he struggles what else kills me is that pitchers are now being tested for the sticky stuff so their spin rates are a little bit different and they have to adjust and therefore you should be a better hitter but you're right. right zero contact zero damage where is the value? The other thing that kind of shocks me about Cody Bellinger hitting 210, 165. That's insane. The dude can float. He can flat out fly, lay down a bunt, infield base hits, but, you're, but you nailed it with the contact. This guy does not bring contact to the table. That's a huge issue for me. I, it's hard for me to imagine anyone going
1: from 305 <laughs> to 165. I mean, yeah. it was almost literally cut his average in half. I mean, yeah. that's just – that's insane kind of drop-off. And as as a fan, uh, I, you know, there are plenty of guys where you could say – like, I remember the, the most controversial probably signing by the – or return by the Astros was Carlos Beltran, right, mm-hmm. um, where he had left – after being here a season and then left for free agency, went to the Yankees, finally came back as a veteran. But the difference with Beltron was he was an older guy. He was matured. Um, he understood the fans were going to be frustrated, but it was it was business. It wasn't a it mm. wasn't anything personal with him. I mean, he wanted to make a lot of money and he did make a lot of money, right? But um, with this guy, if you bring this guy in, he's probably gonna get booed by his own fans pretty roundly. <laughs> Um, if yeah. he even is able to make the field, like who is he? Who's they going to take out to put in his to put him in?
0: That, I mean, that's where I question the value of Cody Bellinger. Where does he fit into the situation? That's what yeah. every GM is asking themselves right now. You know, what's the risk versus reward? Um, I would, you know, I would imagine that they would try and sign a a uh, Michael Brantley back before you oh, sign yeah. back a Cody Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you know you'd have to go through that free agent list and see what's out there, but that's also my other question is, let's say you do sign Cody Bellinger because I have the utmost faith, utmost faith in Alex Cintron, in Troy Snicker, the hitting coaches for the Astros, and let's say they turn this guy around and they do it the right way by teaching him. Let's say Cody Bellinger can actually make an adjustment, which we haven't seen in the last two years. If he comes out and hits 250 with 25 and 75, guess what everybody on the planet's going to say? They're not going to say Troy Snicker fixed him. They're not going to say Alex Sintron fixed him. They're not going to say being in this lineup makes him a better hitter. Guess what they're going to say? They're doing something behind the scenes that's not legal. And all of a sudden you have that coming on again. And that's what sucks. Yeah, it really does suck. Well,
1: you know, to hell with all that. Keep Cody Bellinger floating out there and let him figure it out on his own. Um I will say, we're talking about signing guys. I saw this, I mentioned to you, I saw this really interesting article in The Athletic. I wanted to get your take. Um, It was an an article about how, it's called How MLB Front Office Execs Continue Their Quest for an Elusive Work-Life Balance. And they specifically (laughs) talk about Chris Antonetti, the Executive of the Year um, for the Cleveland Guardians. Um, In the middle of the summer, Antonetti took a two-week vacation to Italy with his family, um, and you know, in the middle of summer, there isn't much work for a GM to be doing anyway. So mm-hmm. it's probably that's probably the best time of year for them to take. And of course, we do know, sort of famously, there are a lot of general managers who say, "Look, I don't watch the games because they just you know because it, it either gets them too riled up or they don't want to be in that moment. They want to focus on things that they can do to improve over time." Um, and they mentioned in this article, they mentioned David Stearns, who, of course, we've talked about on here, potential target for the Astros' GM spot, left Milwaukee uh, as the as their head of baseball, left that role basically wanting to have more time with his family. Mm-hmm. And, and they talk about the exacting, you know, toll that it can take on these guys to have to work these sort of incredibly long hours, and it's difficult. So I wonder, you know, for is this, like we talk, work-life balance has become a much bigger subject in the society, you know, in general since the pandemic. So a lot of people spend a lot of time at home and realize, you know what, maybe I don't want to work in the office 60 hours a week. Maybe I would like to spend some more time with my family. Maybe I would have to like to have some more vacation time or whatever it is. It seems that's seeping a little bit into sports and, and sports is such an obsessive Uh, you know uh, obsessively driven profession I wonder as especially as a former player you know the rigors of going through Mm -hmm. it you know how hard this is Um, is it time maybe to evaluate some of these positions especially GM can't coach other places like that where because players have a whole offseason right Mm -hmm. Um, is it time maybe for some of these guys and and if it is time for to sort of evaluate this how does that go how does that Work with a guy like Jim Crane, who's obviously a very Type A, you know, demanding type of
0: owner. Uh, There is a lot to unpack right there, but I think you kind of nailed it. Between coaching staffs and coaching staffs work a little bit. They they work extended hours. They're they're at the ballpark earlier than players. They stay later than players. Probably if they're doing it right, Mm -hmm. I feel. And, uh, you know, so, that, so they're working long hours during the course of the season, their off seasons, they are working a little bit, but they're just kind of updating and keeping up with guys, staying in contact, you know, mm-hmm. engaging with these, uh, players that they have underneath them, but they're the same as players. They have the off season. They have the opportunity to travel. They have the opportunity to unplug a little bit more than maybe a general manager and some of those baseball op guys. And I think that, um, uh, it has evolved where the GMs are a little more, uh, uh, they're asked to do a little bit more. The expectation yeah. is there because not only are you trying to evaluate talent, you've got your baseball ops guys managing you know, all of these minor league teams you're trying to develop, you're trying to create right. this team and everybody's going to treat it differently. But at the same time, you know what you signed up for. So you better <laughs> right. anticipate or find a way to adjust and create that balance and hopefully you have a strong enough woman behind you to be able, or, if, or a strong enough, you know, counterparts, you know, because we know that there are now female GMs coming right. into the game. You better have a, a, a strong, significant other that's able to support the family system while you're not there because, I feel like the GM is interesting it's not one of those jobs where you show up to the office like a coach or a player and you check in you you do your routine you play hard you go home mm-hmm. there's the, the phone is never off I would imagine for right. a GM. You know, that's where the issue, I think, kind of, it, it, you know, it lies in there is where when you go home, the phone isn't off. So there's always an opportunity where somebody's going to call, want to make a trade, evaluate your talent, or uh, God forbid you have an injury at the lower levels or at the yeah. big league level, you've got to make roster moves. They have to know the entire collective bargaining agreement because of the rules that are in there. So there's a lot involved in that. So I don't mind the idea of in the middle of the season because like you said, that might be their downtime <laughs> during Probably, the regular season.
1: Weirdly enough, yeah i i'm with you i think i think it's important you know i i got to know daryl morey a little bit when he was the gm of the rockets um you know kind of covering the team and and chatting with him and that guy's phone was a a constant source of of annoyance and um Mm -hmm. i mean i can't imagine what it must be like to be one of these guys you know anybody who has any job that they're attached to all the time, I own a small business, so I get it. You know, there are weekends where I get emails from people. I've worked really hard over the years to sort of uh, teach my customers to sort of understand that there were going to be times that I was going to be off. You know, we, Mike, mm-hmm. I close every year between Christmas and New Year's, and I tell everybody that's the deal. But it's hard when you when you are you know dedicated to something and you are working hard at it. So I I give them credit for being willing to try some of those things. And yeah. look, we all know that um the more
0: healthy your work life balance is typically the more efficient you are um, well that's at, the, isn't that the idea is like how how do I become a better me and that's exactly yeah. what you got to figure out is that find yeah. that balance and find that ability to work within that uh, in, in, inside those disciplines
1: yeah and you know i was in a um i can't remember the gm he was a former gm of uh, a baseball gm Who he and his wife, after sort of he left, I think he was, I feel like he might have been with the Cardinals, but this was years ago, like 60s, 70s, -hmm. early 80s. He started developing an art collection. And um, I found out about this because I went to Mexico City a number of years ago and I went to the Carlos Slim Museum. Carlos Slim's like the rich, one of the richest guys in the world and richest guy in Mexico. And he has this incredible art museum. And in the museum, their paintings, you can see both the front and the back, the way they hang them, which is really fascinating. And wow. on the back of paintings, they have its provenance, which basically shows every single pl- person who's owned it, you know, where it came from. It, it's kind of an oh. interesting sort of historical record. And I found this one and it mentioned the guy and it said like St. Louis. I was like, St. Louis? What the hell's a guy doing in St. Louis? This is Carl And I looked it up. And he was a former general manager and he and his wife oh, got God. into art class. And then, and that became sort of something he was interested in. So I feel like you've got to develop some of these things away from whatever it is you do, that obsessive nature. It's not good for anybody. It might be good for ba- <laughs> no. It might be good for the baseball team for a while, but there's mm-hmm. eventually going to come a point where it's just going to it's going to have to ruin you. And I would and of course we all know these guys are hired to get fired anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let's be
0: th- maybe that's the idea too. Blow it out for 5 years, get fired and, and just go, you know, <laughs> right like, off what into the sunset.
1: To- it's like what happened to that guy well he was a GM for five years oh never mind understood exactly <laughs> so let's tackle one other thing here uh, in the offseason I I want to start getting into a little bit of looking back and at these at this Astros team and kind of talking a little bit about what we had last year because I think it's you know I don't want to run I'm wearing my World Series hat that I picked up on Black Saturday I might add um I you got know hanging right here. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to I don't want to discount I know we're going to talk a lot about what's to come. The hot stove season is upon us. But I also want to like revel a little bit in what we had. And the main the first thing I wanted to kind of discuss today was like the is first base. Is I mm-hmm. think it, it was an interesting year in that we saw Yuli Gurriel have a down year. You know, guy coming off the batting title and a lot of people were worried that he sort of fell off this cliff, and maybe he did a little bit. Maybe he needs a little bit more rest, and maybe that's part of the issue. Um, but I don't want to take for granted what he did in the postseason, because no. because what what Lapina did in the postseason is he was one of the best players on this team in the postseason, without question. Mm-hmm. And whatever we can say about you know uh, regular season Yuli. Um, was it offset by playoff, Yuli? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I think because they won a World Series, you could say absolutely it was offset by that. I mean, he was what happened to him though, in the regular, I mean, what did you see in the regular season from Yuli that was just different that caused him maybe not to have the season that that he had had previously?
0: Well, first of all with Yuli during the regular season, yeah, they were, obviously he set that bar incredibly high by yeah. going out the year before <laughs> in 2021 and uh, winning a batting title. So at you immediately <laughs> soon. Yeah, at the age of 37 so he shows up in his year 38 and you're going, "Man, he did it at 37, he'll do it again at 38." But you you don't expect him to win another batting title. You expect him to be around that 270-280 spot, you know, 10 to 15 home runs and drive in 60 to 75 RBIs especially in that In that uh, lineup that he's in, yeah, and especially the way as as Yuli is such a good hitter, (laughs) such an old school traditional type hitter with the gap to gap power, stays up the middle, has kind of that Pierce swing with the knob coming through really early, and it it shouldn't lend itself to much struggle. And in 2021, you remember he had some unbelievable strike zone discipline, which made him a better hitter. He, he set a career high in walks, mm-hmm. so there were a lot of things going right for Yuli in 2021. Didn't have the discipline to start out the season after having a phenomenal spring training, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's right. Where we he were did. like, here, he, here he goes again. But he just he couldn't find it. It became a year long struggle. The power got zapped a little bit, and I think when you get a little bit older, you know. The back gets heavier, the hands get slower, and he, he struggled a little bit. But at the same time, defensively, the dude didn't miss a beat. He continued to play at an elite gold glove yeah. type level of picking balls at first base for his infielders. So that was kind of the, 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 the regular season in a nutshell for Yuli. And then you get to postseason, adrenaline, big lights, he showed up, he showed out. And I think you do need to respect that and you need do need to understand it. But maybe that is who Yuli is. You're gonna get these bursts of greatness and maybe not that sustained greatness that we were accustomed to in twenty twenty one and the years previous. So if Yuli's your worst option at first base right Mm -hmm. now. I know he's a free agent and they're trying to probably work out a contract with him. But if he's your worst case scenario, the Astros are in pretty good shape because we know that defense is first for the Astros. That's what helps your pitching staff. That's what helps your team score, you know, go out there and be able to score more runs than the other team. Mm -hmm. So if that's your worst case scenario, I'm comfortable with Yuli. But at the same time, you might want to look into maybe somebody to platoon with them, share time, if not, you know, get some more time so that you can rest Yuli and make sure that you Get some of those some of those week to, to month bursts of great Yuli and protect him in that sense.
1: Yeah, and you know even though we we say he he obviously was not great, although he did start to get better as the season went along, you know he was still a doubles hitter. I mean he was a doubles mm-hmm. machine, oh, one man. of the best doubles hitter in in the American League. Um, it's just I think you're right. You know Blum, you, you saw you watched every game from close up. There wasn't that it, you did see that sort of lack of play. To, I mean, we all know that Yuli's a bit of a free swinger. Um, mm-hmm. He because he can't he has always been able to be like much like uh Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve will chase because oftentimes he'll hit a ball, he'll get a single on a good, ball that nobody right. thought he could possibly get a single on. No, you're and right. um, and Yuli's a bit of the same way. And it's interesting you point out that the the bat might get a little bit heavier and maybe your swing speed is not quite what it was. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see what happens to Uli this coming year. I'm convinced he's going to be back with this team. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Um, but I'm going to be really fascinated to see because the, the stat comparison that I saw recently between his games after days off versus his games with the day before, were remarkable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the numbers didn't lie. You know, With the day off, he was just substantially better. And in the postseason, he had more time. So I kind of exactly. think you're right. If they can platoon him, maybe give him some time at DH or give him a few days off here and there, um, I think you, you could really make the case that his defense um, is enough to keep him at first base as much of the time as possible. Um, and still give him, you know, some time off here and there, and have other people look. I'm not you and I have talked about it. Jose Abreu would look really good at first base. Um, he dropped off a little bit last year in terms of power numbers, but the aggregate of those two guys mm-hmm. would look really good, especially if you can rotate them in in the w- between that the DH role. Um, I, you know, you're talking about so that could be a really potent angle for them to take i I really appreciate you talking about the bat speed too because i don't think we realize when players get older just how much more how quickly it can it can go and how difficult it is to go out there every single year and i mean Mm -hmm. to prepare yourself for that i mean weeks and months right and now people just all the way through the off season i mean it's just got to be brutal i can't even imagine
0: Well, I I retired at what I was almost forty years old when I retired, and one yeah. of the things that I know about is declining bat speed when pitchers <laughs> are throwing harder. Uh, I, I absolutely lived it, and it, it was frustrating. And you know, I don't have many, <clears throat> I don't have many regrets in my life, but one of my regrets in my baseball life is not going to a. a a lighter bat or even a smaller bat going to a 30, you know, I swung a 34 inch, 32 ounce bat. And I really wish those last couple of years, I wasn't so stubborn in trying to fight father Mm -hmm. time and decided to go to a 33 and a half, 31 ounce bat and try and be a little bit quicker to try and speed up against some of these pitchers that were throwing 95 plus with good cutters and things like that. So, you know, I do believe that there's a way for Yuli to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. And knowing, knowing his swing, as well as he does I think that there he could make the adjustments and still be a viable option in that lineup I think he's still a good enough hitter physically it's just you know a lighter bat maybe making a slight adjustment to the swing to be a little bit quicker Mm -hmm. because you know as well as I do as fast as this game is evolving you need to adapt just as quickly and uh, you know I don't discount that Yuli would be able to do it but at the same time like you said Jose Abreu or a Josh Bell I mean some of those other options out there would be kind of nice.
1: Well, you know, time is undefeated. <laughs> I mean, it, right? it, it gets it everybody. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt that I mean, it. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how incredible you are. Uh, eventually, Mother Nature is going to win, <laughs> and uh, and you know, and that's. The good thing for the Astros is they do have plenty of options. You know, they mm-hmm. do have and Yuli is the kind of guy who clearly I think wants to be here. I think the Astros want him here. Like you've talked about a bunch oh, of man, times man. and I don't know if you can discount the Cuban connection thing. You know, no. Yuli is the most popular Cuban player. We don't talk about that at all, but he is in he's like a he's like an incredibly popular in Cuba. Guys wear that kids wear that pocket out. You know that yes. he, like he does. This is a
0: great point.
1: In tribute to him in Cuba. Like, I I don't think many people talk about how incredibly popular he is there. He he
0: is royalty in Cuba. You know, I I, I think, you know, Jordan, you know, we all, um, you know, we all look up to Jordan. Jordan looks up (laughs) to Yuli yeah you know that that kind of gives you a good idea and i think that there is a lot of respect between the cuban players because yuli is that royalty in the in the country of cuba he's kind of that glue guy with the latin community inside the clubhouse but he's also a guy that mixes well with some of the other guys in that clubhouse but i talked about the noise earlier this is a noise that i think you have to listen to is yuli in that clubhouse he is a he is a very, very positive force on these guys, and I think that that's something you have to take into account. You think he'd make a good coach? I think he really would. I think I think that. I mean, we could do an entire Yuli podcast for me because <laughs> I, I'm I'm partial to the veteran guy who's had to work a little bit and, ha- mm-hmm. and, and is still playing well. And Yuli is a guy who came up, I believe it was 2016, mm-hmm. and we saw him play his first full season, and he got wrecked. He wasn't used to playing a 162 game season. Yeah. And this was a guy who who didn't just kind of lean back on his laurels and his his status. He got into the offseason, lost like 10 to 15 pounds, got stronger, and mm-hmm. said, how do I become a major league player? And he turned himself into an all-star. He turned himself into a, a World Series contending first baseman. And you got to remember, he moved from third base to first base and plays an elite first base at a gold glove level. So... This is a guy who has evolved his game. He's evolved as a, as a player on defense. And he's also, he's got that men, that mentality and that, uh, I hate using intestinal fortitude just because I think it's overused, but he's got something inside his heart that, mm-hmm. that motivates him, that, that kind of separates him and allows him to work a little bit harder. And there's guys around there that understand that and watch that and want to emulate that. And I think that's where his value kind of is there. And that's why I think he'd be a good coach because he could say, I, I, I've been the best of the best, but i had to work a little bit harder to right. get there because i didn't understand how the game was played when i first came over and that provides a lot of coaching value in in the experience you can provide other players it does seem like a lot of coaches
1: and guys who end up making it to manager are guys that did have a little had that struggle you know who mm-hmm. had to work for it and and sort of yep. understand the the difficulties of going through that. And so and I think one of the the biggest things with that too and correct me if I'm wrong is you can speak to players who are struggling, you know, whereas mm-hmm. when you're uh, <clears throat> when you're somebody who has never really gone through that struggle or has had a lot of success and then eventually retired and all that, it's harder to it's harder to sort of see eye to eye with guys who are going through all of the things that, you know, that's why I don't think you see in many you know, big time names in coaching. You know, like mm-hmm. big time star, star names, and the ones who have haven't really succeeded that well. It must be really hard to see eye to eye with your everyday guys. So, like, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you hitting three hundred and fifty <laughs> home runs? I did it. It's yeah, like, you know, it must it was be. Easy for it must me. be dif- How come you can't do it? Exactly. What are you doing? <clears throat> I could, I could swing like <laughs> I could still go out there and hit twenty home runs. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I couldn't imagine sitting across from Ted Williams as my hitting coach and going, "Dude, really?" <laughs> i I, number one i don't have your brain number two i didn't have your skill set right and number three i couldn't make adjustments as fast as you did help me (laughs) right exactly no doubt he's like kid i can't help you it's genetics bro (laughs) he just walks away he's like good luck
1: it's just genetics man good luck (laughs) that's hilarious all right blummer uh any final thoughts uh on the uh what's coming what do you got going on this week man you're on vacation
0: I don't have much going on this week, to be honest with you. I'm just I'm in recuperation mode, and we get a couple nice. of weeks' reprieve until our daughter comes back for thank or for Christmas break. Yeah, uh, so I'm just catching up. I'll be, I'll be doing the same thing you're doing: reading, looking at winter meetings, yeah. uh, things like that coming up, and exactly. that's about it.
1: Is your uh, are your uh, triplets? Are they out of school now for the holiday, or are they are still they- in
0: school? They just went back to school today. They've got uh, two weeks and then a finals week, and then they've got Christmas break. But they're seniors, so you know how that is for finals week. It's basically non existent. Exactly. They're just going to be having a good time. I don't blame them. Enjoy that senior year while you can.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, uh, But, you know, thanks for being here. Obviously, we're very thankful for you guys. Uh, Give us a follow, uh, drop a comment, hit subscribe, you know, tweet at Blum and ask him how he fries a turkey. Um, I know that that's his. That's his jam. I smoked mine. It is. Fries it's is. worth it. At some point, we're gonna have to get together and and have and compare what fried versus the smoked turkeys and see which one hits hardest. I'm I'm guessing both. If I'm just making a guess, I'm thinking yeah, they're it, both. it's amazing eat.
0: that they can taste so different yet so good. So that's kind of. Uh. I'm I'm down for the variety and. The taste. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you.
1: Well, thanks everybody for joining us. We will see you this week, and then uh, you guys have a great one and go Astros. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,